Hi, everybody. I'm back with Simon Chikoisky, and we have not talked for about six months, and a lot was going on. It was prior to the elections in America coming into a winter where he said, this is a time we really need to contemplate. Of course, COVID gave us plenty of time to do that. And now everybody's busting at the seams to cross boundaries and borders and emerge back into real life. And markets are going crazy, so time to check back in with Simon. Simon, good to see you again. Thanks for having me. Good to be yeah. back. I always love this. Every time I tell one of my friends or colleagues I'm interviewing, Simon's like, oh, yay, when's it coming out? So here we go. Um, anyway, Simon, you, let's go back just a little bit when we talked to, in the fall um, after you know the election, and you said things would start calming down later in January. Of course, we had a big blip in the early part of January, not too peaceful. But you said what was going to happen is we were entering astrologically a time that was really calling for contemplation. And we went into kind of a long, restless winter, pick it up from there. And let's, let's kind of go back a bit and what, what we're emerging out of. Yeah. Uh, and I think just before the show, you mentioned uh, that uh, I said, I think around April, things will start to ease up. Honestly, I don't remember some of the stuff we talk about. So it's good that you remind me. Um, but the, the basic theme is, yeah, I, I think we're emerging out of this and, you know, in India, when, when you go and try, you ask a guru or a teacher to become a yogi, one of the first things they do is they put you in a room for 40 days with no furniture and basically you're locked in and they just, you know, give you a little bit of milk and, uh, very basic food. And what that's intended to do is, you know, those 40 days, you have nothing, no computer, nothing, all of your stuff will come up. And if you can deal with that, or at least begin to deal with that, then as you continue in, in your practice, you'll be able to purge all of those, you know, issues that you have. But it also helps you learn how to sit and how to get along with the other person in the room. And if it's just you, to get along with yourself. So I think we've all been yogis for the last year and a half, not by choice. So, and so you're mentioning that now everybody's like gung-ho to get out and get paid and get laid and, and, you know, get all that stuff out of the way. So I think what, what this has been is kind of a yogic preparation because by being forced to stay at home and be with, you know, the people, your family or loved ones and, and to make it work, you, we've developed skills. Uh, at the very least, we've developed this sense of, okay, here's what I don't want anymore. Here's what I won't take anymore. That seems I, to be a really big one among humanity in general, including, and we'll go into this in a bit, uh, why a lot of people are saying, I don't want to go back to that crappy job. You know, I'm going to run out my benefits. I can't stand it. Yeah. And so it's a major, it's a paradigm shift. You, you, we've been forced to look at what, what is there whether it's our relationship, our financial status, our work, you know, status, and to, to realize what it is we truly want. So I think in that sense, it's a, it's a silver lining, it's a boon. And uh, so, yeah, in, in the years to come, this will be, I think this has broad ramifications in terms of, you know, some people are getting divorced, some people are getting married, some people are, a lot of people are changing their jobs, as you said, and uh, there's a major, also major financial kind of shift that we've, we've begun. I mean, 
um, on the on the one side there's a lot of money printing and so that karma those chickens will come to roost but on the other side that has allowed people to really figure out what they want to do to create value in the world a state of grace and time to think about it and feel their way through it absolutely yeah so um you know so uh that's yeah that's that's sort of my take on it uh, i i always like to have a okay what's like right now for example the crypto markets are down what's the good side of it what what's how can i act on this to make this uh to make this uh, the best possible outcome so that's sort of my my viewpoint yeah always. and you do do that and so looking at the cosmos now we can, we're coming emerging from this period of uh, contemplation that is called for in the stars, what is following it? I mean, we know where we want to go. We know we want to bust out. We're going to an extremely extroverted period of time. Everywhere I go, every restaurant, every table is packed indoors and out. People, people are done. They're basically done with it. So what is the energy underneath it cosmically actually calling for versus what we want and what we're doing? Is it in alignment? The, what the energy wants us to understand is what is freedom. Because this is an outsider period. Uh, in my book, The Five Dharma Types, I talk about the outsider's dharma, their purpose in life is to become free, is to seek freedom. They seek freedom from everything. But how do you obtain freedom when you're stuck at home? The thing is, real freedom is in your mind. So we saw that some people who were forced to wear a mask felt that that infringed upon them and they sought to break free. But after a while, you know, I think they realized, well, you know what? If I'm freeing my mind, this mask isn't that big of a deal. In fact, maybe the mask is helping so, so I don't spread something, helping other people to achieve their freedom in a kind of, you know, uh, indirect way. So more and more, as we get locked in, we learn to free ourselves in our minds. And often it's the very, um, uh, the people who are the most, in a sense, bound, uh, who tend to be free. There's a saying that says, the West um, tends to live free externally, but their minds are bound. Whereas the East, like India, they tend to live very, you know, kind of secluded lives, sequestered, a lot of laws and so forth on who you marry, who you don't marry. But inside, you learn to become free. So I think what we've had to do is exactly that. It's been a flippening. And so uh, I think what the world, what the universe wants from us now is to create real freedom for ourselves. And that comes not from, you know, no, saying, oh, I could take all my clothes off and run naked through the golf course. You're not actually free. You know, you're bound by your own impulses. Freedom is being able to know that you are one with the divine in, in any situation, even when you're sitting in line, you know, and there are 50 people ahead of you and it's hot and you're getting irritated. Can you muster that freedom there? And, and so forth, in any kind of uncomfortable situation. Okay, so this would beg the question <clears throat> to refresh us. Um, first of all, how, until what time does the um, outsider period extend? 
And again, five Dharma types explains what this is all about for anyone wanting to know their archetype and the archetype we're living in. I'm an outsider. You have big outsider tendencies. We're living in an outsider period. So perhaps for outsiders, this was a much easier ask than it was for people who are more social and some of the other archetypes. Uh, so let's talk about how long does the outsider period last now? We have at least another eight years. Okay. So we're in it for a while. It's okay. not going away soon. Yeah. So what about some of the more immediate planetary movements underneath it, uh, going more toward like now we're pretty much through spring, going into summer and even into fall. What, what does that look like under the fabric of the outsider larger um, architect? Um, I, there's a lot of focus on the financial um, because part of being free in a material world is having financial independence. So what I'm actually seeing here in, in Phoenix, and I think a lot of other markets are seeing it, is real estate is being gobbled up. Prices are going through the roof. Doesn't this and, make sense, Simon? People, are, it, the economy's not doing well. How, why is this happening? Please explain. So, well, the research shows that it's uh, big conglomerates. It's corporate conglomerates are coming in and buying up uh, single-family homes now. So it, before in the 2008 crash, it was more um, apartment, you know, apartment buildings, things like that. It's single-family homes that they're going to rent out to middle-class Americans, which is unfortunate. Very and, if you're trying to go out and buy a house now in this market, and I know a number of other markets, you have to bid. They're buying sight unseen. Yeah. They're, not, they're not here. They're just, boom, whatever price is asked, they'll even upbid it so that you can't get in. So I know I have friends who, who have put in 70 offers on houses that, and they can't get it, even above asking. So what is that a symptom of? That's a symptom of um, a lot of corporations got free money during this time and stocks started. Yeah. Just like last they're time. investing it. So, but you know, like in the matrix, when Neo, when there's an evil, like, or, or the opposite way, when Neo rises, the, the, the savior, the one, mm -hmm. there is an equal and opposite force that always rises at the same time, which mm -hmm. is, you know, agent Smith. Yes. And so it, let's say, you know, the corporations are agent Smith that you, there is always a balancing force in the universe. So you can focus on this and say, oh my God, this is so bad, this is so bad. Well, wait, there's always a balancing thing. And I think, again, I've talked about this on your show before. I've talked about it on my channel. The balancing agent is the rise of cryptocurrency because it allows people the freedom to have control over their own finances, to not be not have banks as intermediaries, to not have um, anyone else control their, their money. And of course, there's ups and downsides to that, uh, some which we can discuss. I'm happy to discuss it. But this is, I think, these are polar opposites. These are juxtaposed forces. One is trying to control sort of the, the middle class, and the other is trying to free uh, every class, basically. Actually, so, that makes sense now in particular because the, of the entrenchment of the corporate, the cor corporate conglomerates, as you say, literally buying up everything. Um, there is so little space in this country now for young people to even dream of having a home again unless there's some offsetting factor which isn't controlled through the normal means. And you're right. I mean, what is there other than, even if we don't understand it well yet, 
cryptocurrency seems to be the only emerging thing that can counterbalance uh, the corporatocracy of this world. Well, think about it this way. Our parents and grandparents had banks that gave them six, seven, eight, nine, ten percent interest on their yeah. savings. Yes. Gone. We don't these kids today don't have that. So who is giving that to the kids? Cryptocurrency. So if you have a hundred bucks, a thousand bucks, ten thousand, you can earn 10, 15% interest on it by holding it as a crypto. Meaning it's a dollar. So it's not volatile. It doesn't go up or down and it just earns you 10, 15%. Right. And compounding into that because you're, you actually have taken this up you have your own group regarding uh, educating yourselves and investing in cryptocurrency because it really does take, it kind of takes group mind to do this. It's based on group mind, but it does take it to even understand it and to give each other the understanding enough and the courage to jump into something that is really not that well understood by most people. It's not. And I'd be lying to you if there aren't, uh, you know, if I said there weren't uh, sand traps and such, it's like the internet uh, in 1995 and 97. So remember all those um, emails we got from Nigerian princes that said, yeah. <laughs> right, just send me a couple hundred bucks and same thing is happening in crypto. So if, but did we in 95 or 97 say, well, this internet thing, no, we can't do it because of all these scams. No, the scams are part of it because it's a new technology and scammers will always take advantage of new technology and try to further their, their scams. We just have to become savvy and understand that if you're greedy and if you fall, or if you just don't know any better and you fall for scams, and of course they're, they can be sophisticated as well, that it's, it doesn't mean that the whole space should be, you don't throw away the baby with the bathwater. Indeed. In fact, um, yesterday, prior to our interview, because I know this is something you really have invested a lot of uh, study in and have developed insight, I sent you an article I came across. <laughs> and you said, thank you for sending that. That was poorly researched. And we, I'm going to get into that. So let's talk about the article itself and what you, what you found there and what you kind of blew back against. Because there was also a little bit of positive. It wasn't all negative. There was some positive yeah. stuff too. Well, um, I'll just read a little portion uh, from it. It, it says, uh, there's uh, far too little attention being paid to the downsides. This is just from the first paragraph of cryptocurrency. I, I would push back. I'd say that it's mostly the downsides of people, the, the corporate, I should say, the general media are talking about, oh, it's so volatile. Oh, they're, you know, the Nigerian prince scams and there's this and so, but anyway, crypto, it's, it, he says, is a, quote, is a godsend to money launderers and other financial scam artists, chews up ungodly amounts of electricity, and raises the risk of shattering financial crises. Crypto needs regulation to be safe. Now, here's this next sentence that he says, next paragraph, immediately right after this. So he's made all these bold statements. I'm not an expert in the technical details of crypto, which very wildly. So he's not an expert, but he has all of these he's judgments yeah. based, yeah. based on the fact that he's not an expert, yeah. but he thinks this is the case. Uh -huh. so, um, so each one of these points can be addressed. Does it use a lot of electricity? Yes. However, uh, in fact, Mark Cuban, the billionaire, pushed back against this idea that it uses electricity to 
note that the research shows that most of it is based on renewable energy. In China, <clears throat> where it's mined, it's 95% uh, hydro, um, hydropower uh, for most of the year. But the more uh, interesting point, and this is from the New York Times, is, I'll just read this, uh, I hope, it just take a minute. Yeah. This is from the New York Times article. It says, consider a gold ring, one gold ring. For that one ounce of gold, miners dig up and haul away 30 tons of rock and sprinkle it with diluted cyanide, which separates the gold from the rock. Before they're through, miners at some of the largest mines move half a million tons of earth a day, pile it in mounds that can rival the Great Pyramids, and drizzle the ore with the poisonous solution for years. The scars of open pit mining on this scale endure. Um, some metal mines, including gold mines, have become the near equivalent of nuclear waste dumps that must be tended in perpetuity. Yeah. Okay. So it's and basically a second thought. I mean, look, gold rings on my fingers, you know, we don't even well, give it a thought. Exactly. And, and so how does this relate to crypto? So Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are a store of value. So just like you buy a piece of gold and you expect that, you know, your children or your grandchildren can exchange that for money. Similarly, Bitcoin and other cryptos are a store of value, except it's not in a physical thing, it's in a digital thing. But to create that value, they have to use energy. But arguably, the energy that's used to mine Bitcoin is far, far less uh, deleterious to the environment than, for example, gold mining. And which is, so gold is the old standard, this is the move to the new. Um, and in the process, what Bitcoin is doing, it's allowing people in the middle of Kenya, in the middle of Bangladesh, to participate in the financial system. They sell, you know, a cow or some milk or whatever. They can convert whatever they just made into a cryptocurrency and start earning interest on it. Or they could send it to their family in another country. With gold, you can't do that. Now, I, I'm not here to sort of hash up these arguments. I think gold still has, certainly has value, but it doesn't empower people in places where they don't have access to it, where they don't have access to the banking system. So this is what I mean by the rise of the other uh, polar opposite, the other node, if you will, no pun intended, because crypto is run on nodes, um, that... It, while the corporate sort of structures are trying to homogenize society, there are uh, competing structures trying to uh, empower people and give them their freedom. And I think cryptocurrencies are one of them. And yes, they, they do use, all the arguments are valid, but they're not researched to the end. Right. Even that article was talking about how Ethereum, one of the really big ones, right, next to Bitcoin, mm -hmm. is actually looking to, I think, uh, uh, reduce their energy consumption to, by 99%. Correct. So That's coming. Moving into an age where we have much cleaner, more abundant energy, then even mining them isn't a kind of a dirty, wasteful thing, so to speak, any longer. And what you're saying about this that makes sense is if we're in an outsider period, I don't think we've ever had more of an outsider 
uh, financial tool ever than cryptocurrency. This is about as outside as it gets. It's a it's kind it's of wild west. It's kind of like the car. When when Henry Ford, you know, when the car came out, it gave people freedom, the freedom to leave their their enclosures. But the car was also very polluting, right? It didn't mean, okay, we have to now throw away. The, think about the 60s and the 70s, all the smog that we had. We dealt with it with technology, with laws and regulations. So I absolutely agree that this isn't the final state of crypto. It's constantly evolving. Um, but the suggestion here is that, you know, oh, it's bad. We need to throw it away. Just no. I hope you're enjoying this video because if you are, there are dozens more like it on my site, all supported by people like you. So if you'd like to keep this work rolling in and join our community, just click on the Patreon button at reginameredith.com. That also gives you access to insider commentary, my live book club, and other live events with special guests. So join in. Thanks. I was watching, I just had, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> I had to watch Saturday Night Live, uh, the episode with Elon Musk. Oh, so bad. I thought, I got to see what's going to happen. This mm -hmm. is going to be a train wreck. Well, you know what? I mean, first of all, he comes out and says, you know, I, I'm Asperger's. So probably mm -hmm. the first host, you know. And what did you expect me to be? You know, I'm a guy that, you know, has revived the solar I mean, the electric car industry and puts people on Mars. Did you think I was going to be a chilled, normal person? <laughs> mm -hmm. So I like the fact that he was kind of taking the out of himself. However, um, he and his mother came on. It was a Mother's Day edition talking about Dogecoin, right? Mm -hmm. And I know he made a, some kind of tweet or comment recently. And when he or Mark Cuban do something like that, just a little tweet will shift the markets. So first yep. of all, let's talk about well, Mark Cuban, Mark Cuban is big, big on this. Last I read, he's big on Doge. What mm -hmm. is Doge? What are the What are the ones you're looking at right now? Because I know it's constantly changing. But just at this glimpse of time, that you think are good, steady ones that you've talked about before, where a person can do an exchange, uh, an exchange into the world of money and can gain interest. So let's talk about Dogecoin. Let's talk about the ones you're looking at right now, so people can get a little you know, understanding your leg up here. Yeah. Um, well, Dogecoin, we could start with that. You uh, Look, I'm, I'm going to use a little popular metaphor here, but Dogecoin is like the Kardashians. I, in a sense, it, it's just popular because it's popular. And you actually have to give it to them. I mean, it's it has created a kind of a social value that at this point is bankable. So at first, you know, you know, people criticize the card. Well, they don't do anything. What do they do? What, uh, what? Well, what they do is be themselves, and through that, they've earned a kind of cachet. Similarly with Dogecoin, uh, it doesn't do much, <laughs> but it's got it's the Kardashians of crypto. Okay. So, um, and and as a result, it has actually now built up quite a bit of financial. Uh, status. So Doge has its own blockchain, which means uh, it was first developed as a meme, as a joke, um, but it was used to send tips to waitresses and waiters and, and people in the service industry. Um, but beyond that, hasn't really been developed much. Um, and like Bitcoin, it's a, it's a fork of a fork of Bitcoin, I believe. Um, but there are other projects that I call the blue chips 
of the crypto space, besides Bitcoin, that are doing amazing things. Uh, Share. Cardano would be one of the top. Cardano, whose ticker symbol, C-A-R-D-A-N-O. And the sign is? A-D-A. Okay. It's not the American Dairy Association. (laughs) Got it. Or the Arizona Dental Association. Association. (laughs) Okay. It's Cardano. All right. Buy it. Buy Cardano. So why do I say that? Now, not financial advice. I'm not a qualified financial advisor. I'm an astrologer, and this is all infotainment, okay, Um, and should be taken as such from my side. Uh, So, but at the moment, uh, May 23rd, we're experiencing a massive uh, uh, downside. So crypto is very volatile. And that's another part of this yogic training I was talking about. It really trains your mind to just be like, oh, okay, we're going down again. Here we go. (laughs) But right now, we're at a dip where you can purchase most of these cryptos at literally 60 to 70% off. It's, It's a fire sale. So if it were me, and this is what I tell my mom and my friends, I'd say buy Cardano. It's on sale, huge sale. Um... You know, Ethereum is 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 good. It'll be the world computer. You should have some Ethereum as well. Uh, I think Cardano will have more movement in the next six to twelve months. So you'll bring me back in a year, and then we can reevaluate. <laughs> um, then, uh, you know, there are a few others that we discuss in class. I, I don't want to give very speculative things, so sure. I'm giving you just the blue chips. Cardano. Another one is called Polkadot. D O T. And it sounds very cute, very nice. Uh, and what it is... P-O-L-K-A dot? Yep, polka dot, just like it sounds. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would get those two in Ethereum, and you'll be fine. Interesting. That's okay. it. So that's... Okay, so we got a little advice from a guy who spends a lot of time looking at this. You have your... What is your group? I mean, I know you, you told me you have a group, and you guys get... Meet. We do have a group. We've got uh, many, many hundreds of people and it's closed now, unfortunately. It's mm-hmm. called Crypto Questions Answered. I had to close it because we had a massive, massive demand, and it was too much. I, I couldn't handle all of the, the questions, the inputs. So now we're, we, we probably will open it up again sometime next year. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, the point of the group is people ask questions. We do uh, astrology charts for the question. So they'll ask, hey, is Cardano going to go to $10 before the end of the year? And so we look at that and we try to answer. Um, so, but really in crypto, understand this. No one ever in the history of Bitcoin lost money by buying Bitcoin and holding it for four years. Bitcoin has a four-year cycle. It, it creates a halving every four years. So if you bought at the top in 2017, you've still doubled your money. If so this is a statistic. It's a fact. Same with Ethereum. Okay. Over four years. So if you have the mindset that this is a four-year investment, the history has been that no one ever has lost money. In fact, you know, if you look at the stocks, Amazon, you know, at one point was down 95% in 2005. Then it was down 37%, then 40%. Amazon is extremely volatile. But if you use those dips to buy, 
then you know you've done very well for yourself bitcoin and crypto is similar to that it's it's very volatile i will not lie to you but if you have the four-year mindset you'll be okay you'll be okay okay so i want to ask you this because a few years ago i did a story with you that was based on using astrology around the birth dates of of players teams uh, sports teams and so forth and you did this experiment and you made a bunch of money you mm-hmm. get your site you made exactly what you you put out to the universe you wanted to make so the mm-hmm. question is now do you still use astrological influences and the birth date or the say the that from the date a certain coin goes on the market for example or crypto goes on the market or are you now detaching astrology from that no we we do it uh, the problem with crypto is we it's hard to find a defined chart. When did it exactly go on the market? And with astrology, you need a location. Yeah. So because crypto is, you know, decentralized, it, it's you don't know what, what you put London, you put LA. So the astrology is much more um, touchy. Wonderful. Okay, gotcha. Just thought I'd ask that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, good. Well, that was very helpful for us because I think uh, relating it to the fact that we're in this outsider phase and the inequity, again, of these corporations coming in and acting in a rapacious manner once again, we have to find ways to counter it. And I, and I love what you had to say. Now let's look at how countries are operating. I mean, the one thing about COVID, it was the great leveler. It put all countries in a bind. And now we have to open up or not open up and start uh, making ourselves known to one another, open to another, or close to one another again. How do you see this in these astrological times and where do you see things staying tight and closing or, or, or opening up? And what's that flow look like astrologically more globally? To be honest with you, astrologically, the big long-term picture really does show the rise of China, uh, particularly after 2031 or 33. I think 33, it's really sets in, like China becomes the number one superpower. And um, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's inevitable, but it looks like, astrologically speaking, that begins the, uh, the period of the dragon. And, you know, of course, China is, is the dragon, uh, as represented by the south node of the moon. Yeah, what does entail kind of psychologically, psycho-spiritually on all levels? What does that mean? Well, um, we, we're seeing it already. So, in a sense, uh, we're seeing a a government that really doesn't care about the effects, like the rocket that came down from outer space. They don't give a damn. It's going to land somewhere. I don't care. The the virus. And, you know, this is one thing, maybe the one and only thing that I agreed with Trump on, is I think it, it should be labeled. Most viruses are labeled for where they come from. Rocky Mountain fever, you know, uh, Zika virus, your, your, your um, um, you know, MERS is Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome. They're all named after where they came from, except this one, and except SARS, because that also came from China. So they have this influence. Think about that. They're, they're already having this influence. I think it should be called the Wuhan virus. Again, I agree on nothing with Donald Trump, but except 
that on that one thing? Well, I have to say, Simon, um, you know, Zeus and I did a tremendous amount of research and reporting on this. And Zeus went so far as to go off the 120-page WHO report itself to get the evidence, not just from alternative media and even main, and even mainstream media, which doesn't say much, but. Um, he went into the WHO report, and there is seems to be absolutely no doubt about it. This sloppy practices, just like when SARS got out of the lab twice in China, same damn thing happened again. And toward the end of the report, it mentions there was a move. The lab actually was in the process of a move, which is fragile. That's when things can happen easily. Those military games were right next to it. All of it's near the market, centralized in this one little area of Wuhan. You're right. It did get out there. And, and we, have to, we have to name it. If you don't name a thing, it becomes this, oh, it's this COVID. It's, a it's ubiquitous, but it, did, it was. It was Wuhan. And they, that lab has had sloppy practices, and they have been slapped down before, but they keep doing it. So that's a symptom of, of kind of what's coming, because they don't care. Um, in the big picture, it's about the it's like a corporation you want your brand to cover the earth it has to be coca-cola everywhere or so i think that's their world that kind of world brand and, and they're building it and it's it's coming so I, I look i'm not trying to say that i'm not saying that to scare people i i i want things to be i want a spade to be called a spade i want things to be simon i agree with you and i want to say something and again it's just calling a spade a spade um, when you look at a country, uh, psychologically, you look at their cultural practices and spiritual practices. In China, the spiritual practice really is finance, economy, and materialism. That is the primary uh, religion, so to speak, in China, and it's going gangbusters. But again, without having that conscience of overlay of some kind of overarching spiritual system, it is as you said, inevitable that these kinds of things that seem very careless and affect others are going to continue happening. That's the part that concerns me. Now, the U.S. <laughs> certainly has its problems in having become a superpower. Uh, plenty of detriments, plenty, uh, plenty of exploitation, colonialism, you name it. We've done all of those things. But not to make excuses, there is a type of overlay of conscience that was essentially coming from being a Judeo-Christian culture at its inception, that China's not starting off with that. And I'm not trying to sound prejudiced. I'm just talking about something that I've looked at and talked to people about who have lived in China, spent time there, and talk about this psychological trait of uh, just blatant materialism. How does that play out when you blend that with what the stars are indicating? Well, and, and, and just to add a little to that, the tenets of communism uh, don't allow for spirituality as a, as a big part of the mm -hmm. society. And, and I just, I grew up in communism. My, I was born in the States, but my family moved us back to Bulgaria for a number of years. So I lived it. And there you're basically trying to survive. You're keeping your head down, not don't cause, you know, don't make any ripples and just, you know, do your thing. It's not a, anyway, so that was my experience. But yeah, spirituality is not even a tenet of the, of the communist structure, especially. So, um, 
Well, so, and again, many of these corporations that are buying the real estate could be linked, you know, if you trace it far enough back to Chinese interests. I know, uh, you know, Vancouver, certainly there are a lot. Anyway, not saying that that's bad or good. What we have to focus on is empowering ourselves. And one of the ways I'm doing that is, is with crypto, investing my value, the value that I put forth in the world into something that is not bound by the banking system that can be manipulated and so forth. Uh, part of that is working on myself as a spiritual being. And I, I do think, you know, being shut, shut down during the COVID has really forced people to look at their relationships and helped us grow even sometimes through fights and irritation and slamming doors. And, you know, at least you get all that stuff out. You know, the life of quiet desperation that Thoreau talked about is what most people live. But now you can't live that life anymore. No, you have to. desperation, throwing telephone <laughs> exactly. at each other. <laughs> but that's a good thing. I mean, either you because either you're going to break up, your relationship is not going to be able to take it, or you're going to realize my relationship is worth fighting for. Screw this. Okay, I'm going to be better. You're going to be better too. Let's make a pact because we love each other and, and I, want to, I want to work on this. So it's yeah. either one or the other. And either way it goes, it's a good thing because if the relationship can't stand it, then it was built on, on solid ground. And if it can, then all you're doing is reinforcing that solid foundation. Yeah, that makes total so, sense. What about, um, and, and we've all seen, we've witnessed this around us, we've all seen this, and our relationships have changed in general for a lot of reasons. We've talked about some of it in the last show, just coming into philosophical, huge differences in the divide in consciousness alone. So from a personal to, a, you know, a, a, a mass level. So let's look at the mass level in terms of movement between countries with the astrology coming up for uh, summer, of 2021 and into the fall. What's it look like? Are we going to just get out there and move? Or are we still going to do this, hang on to this reticence of an outsider phase? We're still in an outsider phase. Um, you know, I'm afraid for the economy uh, in, the, in the next couple of years. Um, and and I, I hate to bring it back to that, but I, I think, you know, money in a sense is freedom. And freedom is what everyone's looking for. And if it's not, you know, money's the basic foundation. Working on yourself psychologically is, is the next level. Uh, what our countries are doing and how they're getting along. Um, I haven't looked at the big picture. I've looked at the grand scale, and it does look like China is, is coming in its, in its ascendancy. Other countries will con continually bow, I think, more and more or pay deference to China just be because based on what they've built. And so what can we as, as just individuals do? I think just work on freeing ourselves. That's it. And, and maybe um, it, that's my, that, that was always my teacher's take on it. I, I'd come home and I'd say, did you see what George Bush said? Did you see? He's like, okay, how does this affect your life right now in this moment? And I'd say, well, it makes me mad. Okay, so <laughs> let's let's start from there. And but then I realized that unless you know it is your dharma, your purpose to be in in government, in movement, or through through social media to be an influencer, in which case do what's right, then just do do your dharma. Spe 
I mean, hopefully you've found that in the last year. You've had enough time to, to think about it. And, you know, last, last, you know, if nothing else works out, just wait for the UFOs to come. Uh, there you go. I've been involved in a lot of that lately. It was 20th, 20th uh, anniversary of disclosure. I've been on panels and interviewing people. And, yeah, that's about to, that'll happen one day, too. Already is. Well, I'll tell you, last year I pulled a chart because a, a bunch of my students were, were talking about it and they're saying, Simon, what's your take? And I said, I don't know. I don't have a take. So I decided to pull, do what I do, which is astrology. I pulled the chart for, question was, are UFOs real or are they military, um, what do they call it, disinformation? And the chart, I even did a YouTube video, it's out there. Absolutely clear. They're real. Yeah, this they're is, real. This is for real. So I did a follow-up chart to it um, just a week ago or so, because now these video, a lot more videos are coming out. And my question this time was, is it in fact our military? So we know they're real, they visited, they're here. Is it our military now that's taking their technology and experimenting with it? Is that what we're seeing? Or is it really, you know, UFOs? And the answer to that is the military are experimenting with UFO technology. However, they're absolutely perplexed. They're absolutely perplexed. They don't, they don't know. They still don't know. I think they've had access to it for a while. Yes, they are absolutely experimenting with it. And it could be that some of these things we're seeing are, in fact, from, you know, Earth governments oh, there are some incredible experimental craft they've had technology to work with for the last 60 or 70 years but that doesn't negate the fact that they are flummoxed by these incredibly sophisticated machines that are flying in and out all the time now i say that and and i'm just giving you my background i have not seen any of the the programs that you've discussed any i'm not part of the the no, ufo community i'm a sympathizer but I'm not a, a, so I really don't know where it stands. Uh, full disclosure, I have seen, pun intended, I have seen the, uh, the Joe Rogan interview with um, uh, Bob. Um, Brown. Which Bob? Bob Brown? Uh, no, no, the, the original, the original uh, uh, physicist who worked at Air, in Area 51. Bob Lazarus. Lazar, Bob Lazar, yeah. Bob Lazar, right, right. Yeah, that's my my extent of knowledge. So what I'm telling you is from the the astrology that I've pulled. So well, that's what that's what's interesting. So isn't it interesting that the awareness of and starting to the ex acceptance of life coming in uh, from other places and the potentials there technologically culturally and otherwise are coming alive also at the same time that, that China is coming into prominence. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so there are always juxtapositions. I'll tell you one more thing is that the stuff that is coming out is a, the tip of the iceberg. It's maybe less than one half of 1%. Which, uh, which the, the stuff, meaning the, the footage, the videos that, because uh, even CNN is playing videos of, of UFOs. UFOs. Oh my God. Oh, I'm back to UFOs. Yeah, sorry. It's not even a drop because I've seen hundreds of the other films. Not even a drop. And, and the reason I say that is because in astrology, we have the house of secrets, the 12th house and the house of, of 
even deeper secrets, the eighth house, in all the planets were in those two houses, which indicates to me that this is so top secret that even top level people in the government don't have a clue. Um, and who knows who has a clue, but there is, so number one, they really don't know how this stuff works. They're, they're absolutely perplexed. Number two, they're holding a mountain of information and stuff secret. So if we think we're getting a lot of disclosure, stuff's coming out, pilots are talking, that's not even, that's not even half of 1%. Not, not even. I can, I can tell you with assurance that is true. Okay. Well, I'd love to find out more from you, actually, because it sounds like, okay. Yeah, no, you're right on. It's really interesting. I'm glad that you're basically a virgin, as you say, sympathizer to it, but not really part of the community, and that this is showing up in the charts. This is fascinating because um, the secrets are beginning to come out, and I, I interviewed when I was at Gaia last week, Jacques Vallée. He's kind of the unicorn. All these people in high places know him and know of him, but no one gets to ever see him or talk to him, and we did. And he said, really, now what has to happen, and this talks about you re referring to the House of Secrets, is that these agencies and these uh, military-industrial contractors that have these pieces of technology that are trying to back-engineer them and figure out where they can be meaningful in society are literally legally not allowed to engage mm. with the other contractors, so no one ever gets the whole picture. Only a mm. few, few people at the very top have that beyond top clearance secret to know what the big plan with this is. And that's what has to come crumbling down. So I will ask you, if not now, but maybe in our next conversation, to tell me what year or what time frame it looks like where the house of secrets goes away and now the flood of this information and reality comes to the fore. Okay. Are you looking right now? I'm I'm gonna look right now. All right. Um, I'm gonna look right now, but it um, I may have to tell you another time. Okay, you can tell us another time. Okay, we'll let do me it sit with this. Frame. Yeah, because okay. this is going to go on for a while. There's a lot coming out right now, and you, as you said, it barely scratches the surface. Well, Simon, this has been delightful. We've had so many useful things to talk about. Um, is there any final thing you'd like to squeeze in, taking us up through the end of summer, and we'll talk again in, uh, at the end of summer, early fall? I would say, uh, if not now, at some point, by Cardano. I and uh, got that one. <laughs> and and uh, you may not see the result end of summer, but by next spring, mm -hmm. so about nine to nine ten months from now, uh, hopefully you'll be very happy. Yes. Okay. Got it. Wrote it down. Cardano, which is ADA, American ADA, yeah. Handle Association. Got it. <laughs> That's Thank right. Thank you so much. Hey, have a wonderful rest of your day, Simon. And it's been just Thank really you. fun talking with you. Thanks, Adio. Simon. Thank you. Bye, Bye for now. All right. Once again, it was an absolute pleasure to be with Simon. I hope you enjoyed it too. And you can go to his website, decodingvedicwisdom.com, which is where all of his classes are and kind of everything he's up to, his books, etc. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on reginameredith.com.